0: right hello and welcome to an unexpected uh, edition of rusted junk it isn't season six i'm sorry it's not season six just yet but we've come up with something that we think is going to be brilliant and let's test it out because it's called lucky dip lucky dip is where each of us get a chance to just do a film no theme no whatever behind it we will just we will do this if Howard the Duck hadn't already been done, Howard the Duck would be my lucky dip. But it has done. And again, don't forget that that was above average. So, yeah, Howard the Duck. Um, Joe, do you want to introduce your, if this is your lucky dip. Do you want to introduce the uh, what we'll be covering?
1: Yeah, we're going to be covering Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and uh, dare, dare, dare we say it already, a classic, but 1987 film starring Matthew Modine, Arlie Ernie, Vincent Don, Donfrio, how, you is, to how say. is it
2: pronounced?
1: Is D'Onofrio. It D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio
0: and Adam Baldwin.
1: I'm
2: glad um, we've got an expert on the show. <laughs> <I'm> glad glad <laughs> we've got somebody that
0: knows what they're doing. Um, anyway, here we go. Here's the trailer. Hit it. senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to, and the
1: first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. At ease!
2: Charlie's hit every major military target in Vietnam and hit him hard. In other words, it's a huge shit sandwich and we're all going to have to take a fight.
1: I think we waste food for freedom. This is a slaughter. (laughs)
0: I do like the line um, in the trailer, um, you will become a minister of death praying for war. That is such a good line. I mean, in a sea of good lines. But yeah, I'm glad that's in the trailer. Um, Unfortunately, if you are listening on just, if if you're not watching on YouTube, then we've not just spoiled a really big part of um, the film for you, Um, especially if you haven't seen it before and you actually listen to us before you watch the film rather than, or, or haven't seen it for a while. I can't remember what happens. Um yeah, the the end of the trailer just spoils a pretty big part of the uh, the film I would say. So um yeah, sorry if you've seen it but
2: I don't um, think they needed that in bit of the trailer.
0: They didn't need the no. trailer. The the trailer was just I mean, it's great have the stones painted black, have all of that, have lines from the drill sergeant, you know, all of that,
1: but anyway. They, they mentioned your name in that trailer too. They did. Charlie. Not Charles
2: Hunter, obviously, but Charlie.
1: Well, Charlie don't surf, so, you know. Well, Charlie was slang for uh, uh, yeah.
0: yeah, Well, yes,
1: Vietnamese back then.
0: And, and we can debate other other Vietnam films. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Oh, of course. Have you never seen Apocalypse Now? I
2: have, but many, many moons ago.
0: Oh, okay. I'm assuming... That's I don't a know line. Know. That's a line. Charlie don't surf. That don't. Robert Duval um, says. Right, okay.
1: No. I'm assuming that that's for Charlie Chan, you know. Even though he's Chinese, I, I think that that's uh, slang for Asian.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well. Right. Who wants to go first then? I never go first. You go, go first. Should I go first? Yeah. My goodness, we are breaking the mold here. Um, well, on L- lucky dip. Uh, good choice, I would say, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I good choice for that. a little jacket. Oh, thank um, you. Mm. I'll, I'll I'll be honest with you. I was really looking forward to, to doing this, and Amanda's reaction on hearing Full Metal Jacket goes, "Oh, really? It's so heavy. It's so." oh. And I don't know what her I don't know what her opinion is, but hopefully it's changed from from that to
2: stop talking about my opinion. You do praise. yours? Anyway, I'll right, do, I mine. Will do
0: mine. It's uh, it's a this is this is a bona fide classic. It is. 100% up there with all the other things that you would expect from Stan you uh, at the level of Stanley Kubrick. It's, it's almost like when you see your favorite director going, I'm going to make a Vietnam film. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. They all have their different takes on it. Um, this is arguably better than platoon. I, I would say, but with, you know, we will get to that. Um, I just think it's just, it just, e- even the way that it splits the film up between, you know, the relatively cleanliness of boot camp, and then you know, the horror of the horror of war that no boot camp can ever, you know, prepare you for. Uh, I just think it's perfection. I just think the direction, the, the, the chances taken on a ca- on the camera angles and all the sorts of things that you do. There are bits wrong with it. So, which is why unfortunately I can't give it a 10, but it is a solid nine for me. Definitely. Cool.
1: Who's, who's going next? Joe? You, you want me to go, Amanda, or do you want to go? Go next.
2: Because I think the Lucky Dip person, because it's their sort of choice of Lucky Dip, goes last, I think. Okay. That's how That's we good, do it.
0: And can That's you explain good protocol. why? And you have to explain why you chose the film as well, but we'll get yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay.
2: So uh, my verdict is, um, you know what I'm like, I get a bit confused with films. And, like, I thought, oh, that's the one with uh, Charlie Sheen in it. And it wasn't. So I had to remind myself, oh, Full Metal Jacket, oh, that's the one with all the um, sort of PT element at the start, and then it goes off on its own tangent. Do you know what? I'm I'm not too sure if I ever really saw the second – I would say it's a film of two halves, so the first half is – Obviously, the the drill instructor and getting them ready, doing all the basic training, etc. Um, and then the second half is about you know, Charles said like the horrors of war and and the reality of it all. And I don't think I ever saw that all the way through, to be honest. So this was probably my first time seeing the whole film all the way through. So for me, I felt that there were some sort of the 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 there was different themes running through the film like different scenes uh shall we say um so in fact it was a collection rather than a full going all the way through kind of movie um i don't know if that was intentional or not but i i thoroughly enjoyed it i'm not sure if that's the right word but i was um i was really engrossed in the movie uh and i i'm going to give it a 9 wow mm.
1: Joe,
0: no, Joe, are you going to continue
1: the love in? I mean... Well, um, all right. So so I'll say why I picked it. I'm a huge fan of Stanley Kubrick. And Charlie did say that he did want to do something and that I could pick one and that I can pick anything. And um, I looked at a few movies and this was one I would like to have done. I know this is rusted junk. And a lot of times it's supposed to be forgotten movies. And this necessarily isn't forgotten, but it, it's also—I it, wouldn't consider it a classic in most people's eyes. They have to be reminded of it. It, it kind of—it it, it kind of fades away. I, I think I would say, like a lot of people, okay. I don't think everybody has seen it, but I think people that have seen it, it's left an impression. I feel I agree with Amanda. This is two different movies, and I would say the first part of the movie. Which is rare for me. I would give a ten out of ten. Hmm. But the second part of the movie is about an eight, and it's it's a lot longer than the first part. So I would give this an eight point five uh, because of that. But
0: um, your average is a nine, Joe, by, by your
2: own. It's a ten and a an eight.
1: No, but you nine. have to you have to counter in the time though. Oh, time is another variable. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think that the first uh first bit's 45, 45 minutes. 45 For, minutes, yeah. And then the rest is like an hour and half. Hour and so, half. so yeah, so mine works. Maybe it's an 8.75. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be a picky. <laughs> but, Which,
2: whereas if you round it up, it's still a nine. That's true.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. That's how I see I Again, I, I think it's a, it's a brilliant movie. I think Stanley Kubrick is brilliant. I guess yeah. we'll get to him too, but I, I just think the guy's a genius. He, he's like, he probably is my favorite director.
0: Oh, so, really? Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, was, I was having to think about my favorite director. If you'd asked me in 1990, I would have gone, oh, John McTiernan, simply because the three. Predator, On the Bounce, Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October. And I'm like, I love this guy. Whatever this guy's work is going to do. And then, unfortunately, didn't, didn't do an awful lot after that. Not an awful lot. I mean, that's a good start. I mean, it wasn't the start, but it's a good three three films. But, yeah, I agree with you, Stanley Kubrick. Do, we, do you have a favourite
1: Stanley Kubrick film? 2001. Yeah. But I also... I really like, which I've, I'm embarrassed to say, *A Clockwork Orange*, because it's just so brutal, but it's, it's just genius. Yeah. it, it I, just
2: it, it leaves you mentally scarred. I think after watching that film, because you're like, "What the chickens was that about?" But at the same time, if you t- kind of go to the next level, the layer beneath it, and what the the message is, you like that is wow, well clever.
1: Yeah, it's just the way he directs, and a again this guy he does such research like he'll research a movie for like 10 years before he starts doing it he has to have a lot of facts he, he he's just a genius and you see it in the movies it's the proofs in the pudding is when you watch the movies mm. with a clockwork orange it's just a nice mixture of he gets the best out of his actors because he takes so many takes like he'll take 70 takes for one scene it drives yeah. the actors crazy but he, he takes the best one that, that he feels is, deserves to be in the film. And then the mixture of the music that he d- decides to put in mm. the background is just amazing. And uh, it not, goes not, with not, this too.
0: Not, not, not heavy on the, um, you know, when you look at the soundtrack, you've got painted Black by the Stones, you've got the, the absolute classic the Boots Are Made for Walking by Nancy Sinatra. I mean, that is, mm. that is used perfectly in this at the same time of course the trash men with surfing bird hmm. and you are like this is these are the things that you associate with vietnam it's usually um what's that something happening here whatever that is that's usually the one that every vietnam oh, yeah, yeah, player yeah. um but yeah uh yeah the soundtrack perfect another
2: Popmaster with that would you
0: not really no uh, but i don't think that question <laughs> had ever come up um, I agree with you. Two thousand one. I think I agree with you. Um, toodle pip. Am I calling you Toodle pip or Amanda? What?
2: Yeah, whatever. Okay. Nothing derogatory there. Okay,
0: toodles. Um, <laughs> uh, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I agree with you. Spartacus, genius.
1: Yeah, I love Spartacus
0: too. The Shining. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. But my favorite, favorite film. Uh, can I go? I got to *Strange Love*. Really? No, I don't
1: like. I don't like oh. that one at all. Oh
2: no, I don't like that. You don't,
0: know, it's surprising. You, know, you won't have that. The line, "Gentlemen, I'll have no fighting in here. This is the war room." The, uh, <laughs> it's that's just genius. The, the the film is just genius. Is it? Is it my favorite? I don't know if it's my favorite. But it's between this. It's between that. Full Metal Jacket, two thousand one. I think
1: that's one of those movies I tried to like because so many people like it and they consider it a classic. It is. And I and I just. Can't like it for some oh, reason. Show.
0: Oh well. Okay. I, I I would never as I say, would never force you. You know
1: what's surprising? And then I've looked online that a lot of people find Eyes Wide Shut as their favorite Kubrick movie. Oh dear. Okay.
2: Oh, I've never I've never seen that.
1: Okay. You should probably check it out. But you know what it is part of the reason is that there's there's inner messages within the movie that it's not just about like what would you call it? uh menage a trois or sexual fantasies it's it's deeper than that it it goes beyond that and and i think they even some schools have given lectures on it like about the movie and okay i've watched a lot of documentaries on it and it makes it better when you learn things that he's possibly thinking during this movie anyway i don't want to Let's
0: get no, a no. I, I, it. I, I just think there's that's lots of things that we're going we're gonna to cover. Um, one of the things, just before I go into roll call, was actually I'm just putting a little bit of trivia here where they, they suggested that Arlie Omi, the, the drill sergeant, was the only actor allowed to improvise on a Stanley Kubrick film, barring Peter Sellers. Um, uh, however, the counter-examples are Michael McDowell came up with the idea of Alex singing Singing in the Rain in Clockwork Orange. You're like, what? That wasn't that wasn't already thought out. In which case, genius. And Jack Nicholson improvised the Here's Johnny. Here's Johnny, line in the Shining. Oh. And the line was almost, almost cut, as Kubrick had never watched the Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Um, yeah. So... Uh, th- 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 he is a perfectionist and yes as joe says we, we have well i've numerous examples of the, him you know wanting the the same scene over and over again but but yeah there there is room for i don't think you tell peter sellers you can't improvise you know yeah it kind of doesn't work anyway shall we go into roll call yes yeah seems natural let's just do it let's ease into the roll call here's a roll call roll call matthew modine who wants to go first private joker who wants to go first matthew modine uh good uh good performances
1: um i'm not a, like i'm not a fan of matthew modine i thought he was the worst part of the film okay but which is kind of sad because he's the main character but i also kind of after watching it recently i feel like he wanted just an everyday type of guy and that's what he did he did come off as an everyday type of guy yeah. but he didn't come off as a marine to me if that makes any sense a reluctant it, marine yeah well, he, he was yeah
2: he opted to go in the the news corps didn't he so he wasn't really a i would say But I'm not dissing those journalists out there. I would say he's not joined the Marines for the right reason. Because for me, if you join the Marines, you're going in and you're, you know, doing a lot of other stuff apart from writing some news.
1: Well, he had no choice. He was drafted.
2: Oh. (laughs) But he was a journalist before, though, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, in his high school, I think he had said. But Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was a bit of a pacifist. But it's just, uh, I don't know, I've seen Marines, I've known Marines, and they just always seemed a lot harder than that. Mm. And maybe there are some that aren't like that, but I've never seen one like that before. Mm.
0: Well, let's go through some of his films. Birdie, Vision Quest, uh, which is only famous pretty much for uh, Madonna's Crazy for You, was on the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Memphis Belle. I hear, oh, oh, I knew I'd get a chance. Starring Matthew Modine and Eric Stoltz. Yes, the Stoltzer is, is back. Memphis Belle is a great film. Do
2: you know what? I probably wouldn't watch that again.
0: But it is a good film. Joe, back me up here. Memphis Belle. Never seen it. It's a great film. Well, then, You've
2: never seen then, it?
0: Then I get no. the final. Ooh. Oh, at least
2: I've seen it.
0: Oh, my I've lucky watched dip. one more movie oh, wait, than the, Joe.
2: No, this is yeah. what I need to
0: do for my lucky dip. I need to force actors that you really don't like on you. Because it's lucky dip. <laughs>
2: Oh, that would be just mean, though.
0: Well, uh, I'm now thinking Memphis Belle. But anyway, all right. Well, I think it's seen it Anyway, who's he starred with? Uh, uh, Michael Keaton in Pacific Heights. He plays uh, the couple with the uh, Melanie Griffith. Um, I do give him his dues. I, I'm not a big Matthew Modine fan, but his film, the, his version of the Browning, sorry, his, his performance in the Browning version With Albert Finney is perfect. It's, I mean, that's a great film for me. Um, I keep meaning to say, I need to watch it. And then I always forget. And then I come back to it, go, I really must watch it. And then I don't. It's taken me ages to track down a copy of it. But um, he was also with Gina Davis in the uh, Pound Shop Pirates of the Caribbean uh, blockbuster called Cutthroat Island. Did you watch that, Joe?
1: No, I I Uh, knew about it. Just didn't no. seem like my thing back then.
0: He didn't seem like that leading le- leading, leading lady. Um, <laughs> well, in 2022, you can be whatever you want. But at the time, I think he identified as a, as a male, so yes. Um, cut through Ireland. He was also uncredited in Notting Hill. Uh, the character that Julie Roberts is talking to, and Hugh Grant overhears it when the Sandman goes, do you want to hear what they, they say? Yeah, he's in the period drama. Yeah. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises, of course, he's in. Um, not very memorable in that. Uh, and then didn't do an awful lot. Then started in the shark drama Forty Seven Meters Down.
2: Oh, trust you to come up with a blooming shark. Oh, it's all come right. On. But then, okay. Well,
0: tell me what is, and tell me what we're currently enjoying starring Matthew Modine.
2: Oh, um, Stranger like, Things.
0: Yes, not for him. No. But he's he's okay in it.
2: He's all right.
0: Yeah. Well, poor, poor Matthew Modine, he doesn't, doesn't get more of it more of a discussion except for how bad he is. Let let's move on, shall we then? Um Arnie Ernie. Who's he's that? good. The drill instructor. Oh, okay. Sergeant Hartman. Um he, did
2: he, he, can I ask a question. Did he lose his voice filming that movie?
0: He he did a lot of he did 74 takes of the Jelly Donut scene.
2: Oh my give yeah. An So
0: yeah, he, he was losing his voice towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> um he's uncredited as being a helicopter pilot in apocalypse now. So we can say oh. he's been in two. Two of the giant powerhouse Vietnam films. Was he
2: actually a helicopter pilot or did
1: he just act no a helicopter
0: pilot? No, no, it says helicopter act as the helicopter pilot. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know, actually. I mean, it might be worth...
1: When we well, come... no, in, I know that. No, in real life, he was a gunnery sergeant in the Marines, and he was a drill instructor.
2: He was a drill instructor?
1: hmm <gasps> Yeah, he was hired, basically, to teach the actor that was... Am I spoiling? No, 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 go for it, Trivia. Yeah, no, no. He was hired to teach the actor or the actors that were going to portray that character, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman. And um, Stanley Kubrick took such a liking to him that he decided, well, also he was kind of campaigning for the role too, saying, like, I think I could do it better than the guy that you hired. I forget who the actor's name was that they hired, but he's in the movie.
0: He's in the movie. So he gets demoted down to the helicopter pilot that's just shooting everyone in the Oh, it's
2: him. He's a bit psycho in that movie, isn't he?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But But that's a good, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect casting because he steals this movie. But oh, you've he, also ma- got, he
2: makes the first half. He, he, it would have been a very, I think, dull first half if he had not been in it.
0: It's just, I mean, the improvisation is you look at some bits and they say, well, no, it was mostly all scripted. And some go, no, 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 he made it all up. I like to think it probably sits somewhere in the middle.
2: In the middle. Yeah. yeah he, if, he he actual, if he was an actual drill instructor, he wouldn't do it a huge amount of acting would he he'd obviously like know where to stand where the cameras were placed that etc 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 but sometimes I guess what came out of his mouth like all those kind of I don't know phrases and the spiel and
0: well it's like one of them when he's so when long
2: he, it must have he, been something that he actually
1: did
0: yeah yeah he yeah, actually did it for years he said um one of the lines where he goes you know you're the type of guy to Whatever, and not have the goddamn common courtesy to give him a reach around. At the end of it, Sandy Kubrick goes, "What does that mean?" And then he had to explain it to him, and he went, "Oh no, no, we'll keep that in. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep that in." So you know, this this that it was all scripted is falls apart under the, the first first part of questioning. I like the fact that he stayed in character. He didn't talk to the actors. He didn't fraternize. You know, fraternize with them. He didn't go Did to beers. Didn't didn't it, he? He was separate. You know, He's, and um, when, apart, from, apart from putting them through their paces, mm. you know, it's not like, right, okay, that's a wrap, everyone. Right, let's go and get some beers. No.
2: I Do you think, think he, uh, he, he kind of took that persona as the drill instructor then? Because he that's what he'd done anyway in, in, in real life, that he kind of, that was his mindset. So he kind of continued that maybe?
0: Possibly. I mean, it, it seems... It seems totally natural because, I mean, when you go into some of the other performances that he's, that he's done, uh, he was the mayor in Mississippi Burning with uh, Gene Hackman and Willem Dafoe, which I, I remember being a good film. Um, I remember being very, you know, it's it's like what you said about Clockwork Orange. I enjoyed it, but it's not there to be enjoyed, to come out fist pumping yeah. and going, you know, like The Accused or, or something like that. Um I'm trying to think of the film they come out of Naked Gun and the Laughing. It was Platoon. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, that's for you, Dom. Uh he was also in the film Murder in the First, which is a good film with Kevin Bacon. He's the police police sergeant in seven, It's a police chief. Uh, he voiced in Call of Duty Ghosts. As soon as he put that on, he started playing Call of Duty. I know this voice. Ah. Uh, but he's probably most—I don't know—he's probably most famous for the voice of the army sergeant in Toy Story. Is he? That's him. Oh, I mean, there's yeah, that's, that, that's no—I mean, when you first hear that, you go, "Oh, it's him!" It's Sergeant
1: Harvey. It's fine. Yeah. So, you did you ever see Saving Silverman? No. He's in that, and it's a comedy. And, okay. Uh, he's, well, he does comedy. Yeah. Okay. Well, basically, plays the same character. Right, you know, okay. loud mouthed. Uh, it's pretty funny. He was a coach for a football team, and the ref gave a bad call, and so he took the uh, the line marker and got so mad he threw it in the field and it went right through the coach. <laughs> and so he got uh, arrested for murder and he's in prison. <laughs> it, it's it's really it, if you've never like seen that movie, comedy.
0: yeah,
1: it's got Jack Black and uh, that one of you know the the lead kid from American Pie, and it's oh, it's Jason really. Yeah, it's right, really, okay. really funny. It's one of my favorite comedies. Okay, and and he is he's really good in it too. You, you would love him. Wow.
0: Okay. Um. So, Vin, t- tell me again, Joe Vincent D'Onofrio. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, it's weird, I think, too, because he's got one of those faces that you remember, that you go. I, I, yeah I mean you know I, I remember him as private pile but it's interesting to note he gained 70 pounds for this role okay oh, is that,
2: sorry I had to answer the door
0: Vincent D'Onofrio who private pile
2: oh gosh yeah
0: right he put on 70 pounds for this role Ooh. beating De Niro's record who put he put 60 on for raging bull um It took seven months to put it on, nine months to take it off again.
2: Uh, I can identify with that. Uh,
0: And because he was so heavy in this, uh, when he's doing the, he actually popped his knees (gasps) because he he wasn't used to carrying that much weight when he was going over the obstacles. So, yeah. He's
2: not a small guy either, is he? He's quite tall. Well,
0: he's not because a year before uh, he was in Adventures in Babysitting with Elizabeth Shoe, which is the film we'll cover at some point, which is comedy is quite good, but he played a mechanic that the the young, the young kid that Elizabeth Shue's looking after thinks, is, thinks looks like Thor and she's Thor mad and she's got the old wings on and she wants to give him the hat and say, you've obviously lost your hat and he is in good shape. And you're like thinking, wow, to go from that to that and then back to that. That's mm-hmm. pretty, that's pretty good. Um, uh, uh, before I go into the other films Would you uh, Anything Any 1997 blockbuster That you would want to uh, Think that he's He was in Amanda
2: I don't know I'm not even going to guess
0: Okay uh, I know Go on Men in Black Men in Black Absolutely He plays the um, The farm guy That gets uh, Possessed Gets taken over By the aliens He's very good at yeah, that. I don't it? remember that. It's been
2: years since I watched MIB, though.
0: He's in a, he's a JFK, but then, then again, who wasn't um, at the time? Who G- was F- in JFK? Uh, oh, the one of the generals. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Can't remember. It's, it's interesting to note, uh, one of the things I want to touch on, and just going off, off things slightly, when you talk about advisors on films like um, Ali Ernie, You've also got Dale Dye. And he he was in. I remember him being in JFK, but he's advised of so many different things. When you want an army captain, when you want like somebody like that in, you bring in Dale Dye. The the guy with the white, the white hair and the white mustache. No.
2: Hulk Hogan.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, he's also in the player. If you watched Full Metal Jacket and then watched the player. You wouldn't know where he is. He plays the writer uh, that, he, that Griffin, Dunn, uh, Griffin Mill, um, played by Tim Robbins, thinks is sending him the, uh, the death threats. Um, brilliant. He's also in The Cell uh, with Jennifer Lopez. That's quite chilling. Uh, he's Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall in The Judge. So Robert Duvall is an ex-judge who's uh, um, been um, uh, tried for murder. Uh, and Robert Downey Jr. comes back. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio is, is, has always been with his dad. Robert Jr. Downey Jr. comes back. It's a great film, that is. Really good. Uh, and he's in Kingpin. He's Kingpin in Daredevil. So the Marvel TV series, uh, which he reprised for Hawkeye. So he came back for Hawkeye. Don't need to watch that. It's not very good. Um, and he's also in something called Godfather of Harlem. Joe, never heard of it. No.
1: Never heard of it either.
0: Okay, we well, are supposed to watch TV over there. It's like it's like saying to us, "Oh, I've heard of this thing called Line of Duty. Is it any good?" Yes, Joe, it's very good. That, there's too, that, too many things. I think things you're
2: being on. a bit. I think you're being a bit mean there, uh, Charles, <laughs> because that's like saying Charles the equivalent of "Oh, you live in England, you must know the Queen," or "You you must live there." Le- it's hardly totally the same. No,
0: Hi, TV. you know that thing that's on TV there that are thousands of people could watch?
2: Have you seen it? of TV channels oh, in America. Not a oh, thousand. yeah.
1: There's way too much homework to go through. I <laughs> skip a lot of things, and I watch things that I, I really don't want to watch, but I have to watch. So <laughs> it's got to be really, really good. Such, as, to
0: such as my lucky dip, Joe. Oh, yeah. yes. I can't wait.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe. Joe might be off sick that day. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Joe, can't get out of it. Um, I feel bad now, even though I've already told him, if if the four of us should be on. So Dom's going to come on for each of the subsequent ones because Dom is Dom is already putting his thinking cap on to find out which one it is. So, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, Dom, it's just an oversight, but you'll be here for the other three.
2: Oh, um, you can't call Dom an oversight. That's no,
0: no, it's an oversight that I haven't invited him. He's not an oversight. Of course he isn't. He's a he's a valued valued member of the team.
2: He's part of the crew,
0: the crew, the team, whatever it is, he's part of it. He's one um, of the rusties. What? No Joe. Junkie.
2: can't call us. That junkies. Say, yeah,
0: junkies, two live crew. Yeah, he's <laughs> so old. anyway. Right, let's not go there. Anyway, uh, I'm sure we will. Um, Adam Baldwin, um, oh, what was his character called?
2: Who was it?
1: Oh, oh you know. I forget he was he was the big hulking guy with big uh, hulking
0: guy that's uh basically takes the kind of like gym. almost
1: had like a like a Gatling gun he was carrying around. Um
0: oh, I've gotta get I've, sorry, I've gotta
2: get Oh, the he's name. the guy that goes to rescue mm-hmm. the other two.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was, it, one of them I know it was eight ball. And uh, yeah, he's just uh a very stoic character. It looks like he just means business, got no he's emotion. What
2: are the Baldwin brothers, then?
1: Animal mother. Yeah, that's it. Animal mother. Um, no, he's he's not one of the Baldwin brothers. No.
2: Okay.
0: He's
1: Adam Baldwin.
0: I thought he was one of the Baldwins.
1: But I don't think that he's a Baldwin brother.
0: Thought well, Stephen, Daniel, Adam and Alec.
1: Well, that's another thing. All right. I'll All right. look it up. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk.
0: Well, I'm pretty... I- Predator 2 he was in White Earp again who wasn't on that film Uh, Firefly uh, is probably most famous for the series do you remember watching this while Joe's looking it up Um, do you remember watching Chuck Amanda we watched it very early on in our when we first met
2: rings a bell he's the guy that
0: basically had all the knowledge downloaded into his head
2: oh god yes yes
0: and uh, Adam Baldwin was played the minder that basically had to, um, was part of his team. The guy that never laughed, you know, never always, always serious, always had all the guns and the hardware and all that sort of stuff. Anyway. Yeah. So great. I got the
1: info on Adam Baldwin. He's not, he's not a Baldwin brother. Oh, okay. He is distantly related. It goes back to sharing the common Baldwin ancestry, history, going back to 1600s in England.
0: Hey, check us Oh, he's out. one of us then? Yeah. Oh, dude. Well, so what? is Alec. So. Yeah, but you can Lucky have he him. Days. You can have him. He's, he's, he's tarnished goods. <laughs> he's uh... Anyway. Um, right. So some quick ones to go through, because otherwise we, 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 gonna we're never going to make it hour. through, are we? We well, will. We will. Arlis I want to know what
2: happens in the film. <laughs> right.
0: Well, okay. Um, Arliss Howard. Who? Private Who? Cowboy. Who has to take over? Um, not a lot, but it was in Jurassic glasses? Park. It was in Jurassic Park: The Lost World.
2: Is that the one with the glasses?
0: Yeah, mm, yeah. Um, right. Ed Edo Ross. Uh, he was. Um, oh, who was he? He was uh, Lieutenant Touchdown. Um, I said to Amanda, "Look, I know. Don't normally do this, but he's the guy that's buying the drugs and lethal weapon." Um, that gets freaked out by uh um Gary Boosie. Um John Terry, not the footballer.
2: I was about to say, what the footballer? I don't remember him being in there.
0: Joe, I'm expecting you to have no- to know this one.
1: Uh, which character did he play?
0: John Terry. Uh he played the um uh Lieutenant Lockhart. He was the guy that was in charge of the um
1: the press corps.
0: Press corps, yeah.
1: Uh, Come on, yeah. Joe. Don't let me down, Joe. I'm going to let you down, because I don't know.
0: Oh, he was he was Felix Lighter in The Living Daylight. He was who? Felix. He was, Get out of here. He, really... It's Felix Lighter, which they then changed for the next one. <laughs>
2: I thought, wasn't Felix a black character,
0: though? Oh, Felix has been uh, many different shades of...
1: No, I, I was thinking of... Uh license to kill when you said that at first, but no, no, no. I don't remember the Felix Leiter. And, oh no, I do remember him now. He was boring. Yeah, you know, he but he's still life. Felix Leiter. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, um Joe, another one for you. Bruce Boer, the guy that says to him, what's that symbol doing on your take, take that, that piece symbol by the grave.
1: No, I've seen him in a, oh, a couple Jeff- of things. Who is he, Joe? Uh, I know he was, uh, oh, I think oh, he was in King go. Kong, King Kong, 1976.
2: Okay. Um
1: made me nightmares. Yeah, he was, he was one of the army guys in that. Uh, was oh, was he in, um, oh, damn it. Oh, I know who he, he was in Faulty Towers.
0: Uh, y- yes, you're right. Uh, that's, good. that's good. That's good. That's a good shot. I didn't have that one, but that's good. He plays the brush, uh, the, the brush. He wanted American. the Waldorf salad. The Waldorf salad, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice one, Joe. I didn't get that one at all. Um, I was going to say he's General Rykkonen in Empire Strikes Back. Prepare for ground assault. Was he? I didn't know that. It's a good bet the Empire knows we're here.
1: Prepare for ground assault. <laughs> Joe. He's also an octopusy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh no, I'm thinking of, All right. I, I thought you meant the Empire. Now I remember him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: He see you're a good pilot, solo. will be yep. uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um yeah, anyway, so yeah, there's roll call. Finally, we made it out. <laughs> but in we've we used a bit of trivia, so it all works itself out in the end. <laughs>
2: Come on, people will be going. Come on, get on with the plot. What happens in the movie? Well, the
0: plot is they take some raw recruits um, through through basic training on Paris Island to prepare them for the well, to to at least give them some preparation for the horrors they're gonna they're gonna see. Um, You have Sergeant Hartman, the drill instructor, putting pretty much no favourites everyone through their paces. I guess he does get favourites. I guess Joker, Joker, and uh, Joker and Cowboy end up being his favourites because they stand up to him. Um, especially when Joker um, you know, says, whatever, whatever answer I give, you're Could gonna punish me. Mm. And so he recognises that okay, this guy's probably gonna make a, a good squad leader. Um, but he's he's preparing them for it. Unfortunately, we have um uh Sergeant, well, we have Pyle, who's singled out. Uh, do you know who, I mean,
1: do you know who Gomer Pyle is? No. That's hysterical. So you don't know either, Amanda. What's what? Uh, Gomer Pyle. Do you do you know what that character is outside of this movie? No. So Gomer Pyle was a character on the Andy Griffith show. Did, did you guys get that over here? No. Over there? No. Um it, you know, it was like a black and white comedy series back in the in the 60s about a a sheriff in North Carolina, you know, and a, a kind of goofy deputy. But Gomer Pyle was the mechanic in that town, played by Jim Neighbors. And I, I don't know if you know who Jim Neighbors is. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it was very big over here, and it's still kind of big over here. And he was so popular that they gave him his own series where he joins the Marines, and he becomes, Gomer, well, he's Gomer pile usmc that was the name of the show united states marine corps and that became very popular and and he's just a goofball like he's got a drill sergeant and every time the drill sergeant's like yelling at him he's smiling and he's like i just love you drill sergeant you know and the drill sergeant cannot stand gomer pile and he wants to get him out of his platoon and gomer Pyle just loves the hell out of the drill sergeant you know he looks at him as like a big daddy and you know that's just helping him get through it and uh it's very funny but i i find it you know kind of humorous that you guys don't know who that character is because he's very big over here i see that's a
2: bit of context to it then because he couldn't what the smirk off his face could he
1: no No. he he always had a smirk on his face and he would say that to him. is like wipe that smile off your face, and he's like, I just can't. You know, he had like that uh, that Southern accent. He goes, "Golly, that was his whole thing." He say, like, "Golly, <laughs> Sergeant Carter." It's like I just can't. I just think you're the nicest guy. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well done, Joe. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm sure for you know fans of the show, that's probably inaccurate. I, I'll say yes. I'll say that, that's spot on.
1: I'll send uh, you a video. Oh, no,
0: please do. Um
2: I would question though whether it's actually really preparing them. I don't think it is. It's
0: making them hard. It's making you know, them it harder. Is.
2: It's not preparing them in, in a way. It's de it's dehumanizing in a sense of the the bombardment of the the harsh words from the drill instructor. But I think obviously Pyle got more than others. And he got singled out and, you know, the whole donut thing just shifted the sand really, didn't it? But he, something switched in his head. And I think the whole point was that drill instruction and that whole training section was to be able to get them to kill on demand. And it's taking away that um, morality, I think, in a sense. And his biggest success is obviously Pyle, because he does it, and he he knows his gun inside out more so than any of the others. Hmm. Yet something flips, and he becomes it goes too far because obviously, you know, he well. well can we plot spoil? I guess we can. Okay, that's we do, we do all the time. Yeah. Yeah, because he obviously kills the drill instructor, hmm. and then he he shoots himself. So I think he, in terms of success to the to a point of dehumanizing, he's got that, but obviously it goes too far. But all the others, I don't I don't think it's necessary preparing them for what they're going to see or what they're going to experience because. Uh, I did a bit of research about the Vietnam War. I had no idea it started in November 1955. I always thought it was a 70s war, but it wasn't. I know it was. It, it was
1: like yeah. the 60s. Yeah, first of uh, November 1955,
2: and it finished 30th of April 1975. Well, when you say
0: started, they inserted some advisors,
2: not for the US. That's not when the US engaged because. Um, uh, they engaged 1965, so the war had been going on for ten years before the US got. Yeah, involved. between the
1: North and the South.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um. So, the US pulled out two years before it ended. So, you know, a little factoids there. Oh yeah, you know, I, I, say, I hadn't realised it. it was actually that. Blah five. You know, six,
1: you know, it's an interesting fact. Is oh. um, I I believe that the war was started because there was a naval vessel that we entered the war in the United States and that the, uh, the head of the, um, the vessel, the naval vessel that was over there was, uh, was Jim Morrison's father, who yes. was the the leader of the doors. Oh, and like, he was like anti-war, but his father, you can kind of say started our involvement in the war, which <laughs> nobody knew back then, you know, and, and Jim Morrison, another fact, I, I live in St. Petersburg. His, he lived with his grandmother down here for a while in St. Petersburg. And he went to the Naval Academy, you know, cause I think his father pushed him to, to go into the Naval Academy. He I don't think he ever finished, but, um, that's down here too. Mm. Oh, um, but
0: anyway, well, yes. Um, so back to the film. I, it's you're right. The, the idea is to dehumanise and to make them all into one cohesive unit. Mm. Uh, are we to assume that Private Pile uh, is has learning difficulties? I was about to say simple, but you're not allowed to say that anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I would I, say
0: so. I think that because after the after the hazing, after the beating that was horrible it is I horrible think, it? like
2: you know joker was part of that uh, i just thought that was really horrid
0: but you know i mean if i was if if i was in that team and you know that taking taking food out of the mess hall and hiding it in your locker is pretty serious not as serious as not not uh uh not locking your uh, footlocker according to uh, sergeant hartman but if i if, if somebody did that and repeatedly messed up i'm not saying i would i'm not saying i would say i'm not trying to justify it but in that situation they were just continually being had to do they something were being about
2: it they had to, to do something it was about it the weakest slink yeah
0: yeah and i guess that's what they wanted is for them to take justice into their own hands and they did
1: Well, the way the Marines work is it is all about discipline. Like Amanda had said, you need to have discipline in order to follow orders. Mm. And when you're in war, you have to make sure that your fellow comrade has your back. And I think that in that case, you know, if uh, Joker didn't participate in the hazing of Gomer Pyle, they would, you know, he basically said, you, you know, you, if you're one of us, you'll do it. I think he said that.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Or unless yeah, I'm missing yeah.
0: it. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, he, he, but he, he does it. But he does it more. He does it repeatedly. He does it six or seven times.
1: Yeah. And, and I forget. I might have read about it. Maybe it was like a, a cutscene. But he had to do it more because, you know, he was his friend to show that he. You know, he was more with the Marines, with his troop than a single person. And one thing I I did learn about the Marines from my friends is is what they do is when they train you in Paris Island like that, it's they bring you in to break you down to your lowest form and then build you back up. So you might be in, in really good shape. They will still break you down. They want you to be at your lowest form. Mm-hmm. And then build you up. Now, I don't know if that exists now. I mean, I'm sure things have changed quite a bit. But back in the day, that's what it was. And I, I was going to tell you a story about my father, who was he was a Marine and he was drafted, but it was for the Korean War. Right. But I had seen this movie with my father and he was grinning from ear to ear with the first half of that movie because right. he just could not believe. And he told me he said that that is the most accurate depiction of the Marine Corps that I've ever seen before in my life. Because really? I've seen he's wow. seen every single movie John Wayne has ever made, or, or any movie that's come out, he says that is exactly what it's like. It's a hundred percent accurate. And um how long was he in the Marines for? I think he was in the Marines for four years and, and he was he was shot in battle. Like he um after he got shot, he was uh able to go home and it does like when I watch this movie it it, it is painful for him again he didn't fight in the Vietnam war but he fought in the Korean war and he went through hell and a lot of people I would always tell my my sisters when they would have fights with them it's like give him a break you don't know what he went through or you do know what you went we went through and you're kind of making light of it but he went you know he was drafted when he was like I guess 18 19 years old Hmm. he had to go and fight for his country he was in the Marines, which was like the hardest basic training for mm. uh, eight weeks. And then he had to go off to Korea. And in Korea, he had a a sergeant that was a jackass and that he wanted to see more battle because like he would be in the officer's tent and they they would talk and he had nothing to talk about. So he. Forced, I guess, I don't know, It probably wasn't a general, but someone that was in charge, he says, you know, we want to be in the front line so that he can come back and have drinks with his other sergeants and say, Mm -hmm. oh, or a captain and say, you know, how great we were in battle. And he was such an obnoxious jackass that my father was in charge of one of those guns that has tracer bullets that you can basically see where the bullets are going. And so he tapped him and he said, no, I guess I want to be in the front. I want to lead the first battle. And within minutes of that happening, the guy got a bullet in his head and he was dead. You know, it, my father would have died if the guy didn't switch places with him. But they were all wow. brutalized. You know, it was uh, most of the platoon died. My father was like probably one of the only survivors. And he was shot in like in, in the leg. And he had did to, your
2: father have any guilt?
1: Yeah. Well, what happened too was like my father played dead for almost a day because he couldn't wow. tell who the enemy was because, it, again, it was North Korea, South Korea, and like they were calling for soldiers and if they would have found him, it's possible they would have just killed him. And eventually, you know, he was rescued. But towards the end of his life, he told me, he was always gung-ho, loved the Marines, but on his deathbed he he told me that uh, war is a mistake, you know because too many people die and it's it's really not worth it when I look back on it right. and and plus his best friend died and he had to stare at his best friend, you know his body, laying in the mud, pretending to be dead. you know it just was a really horrible story oh, that, that I heard. And uh, I'm just amazed that he came back the way he did. You know, he, you know, again, he had problems, I think, was probably PTSD. Yeah. Like I got a lot of soldiers, but I cut him slack because I knew what he went through. And that's my story. But he, he loved the first half of it because he said that's exactly what it was like. As soon as Gunnery Sergeant Hartman was killed, he was almost like, I don't want to see the rest of this, you know, because right. he was. Pissed that that happened, and I I don't think he enjoyed the the rest of it after, but he loved the first half.
2: Right. Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Joe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Oh, thanks.
0: Um, I think that scene is. I think the scene is. It. I think it. I think it was shocking because the the first the first time I saw this um, was, um. Not at the time. Uh, I didn't go to the cinema. It came out on video, uh, came on VHS, and my sister showed it to me. Um, and she said, "You've got to see this film." Um, and yeah, I was just—I was just kind of like—I was blown away. But I think I remember at the time thinking, "Well, he's turned things around now. That 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 beating has helped him. It's it's helped him, and he's turned things around. He can shoot. He's part of the team." He knows his left from right. All of the things that were wrong before he's put right, and then you have graduation, and you think, okay, well, he's made it. And how, how how do you feel now that 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 worked, and he has become part of the team, and he has become one of them? But what you don't know is that he's he's just he's just losing it. And I think the realization that Joker must feel at that time is, I'm part I'm part of this. I might be the reason for the actual decline. Everybody else hitting him with the bar of soap is, is others hitting him. But Joker, he, he, he moves his head to watch Joker doing it, as if to like say, stop, please don't do this. Joker, when he sees him talking to his rifle, must feel some a lot, lot of guilt. So the surprise was the bit in the toilets, the bit where the drill instructor got shot and him basically just lost it. There's there's no way back for him at that time, and you like
2: it, it was indicated from the the look, the the vacant stare, and the sort of
0: the thousand yard stare. As well, the was
2: scowl, wasn't it? It was a yeah,
1: yeah. I, I do it, feel when I watched the movie, I do think it was Joker that was the tipping edge, yeah, because he looked up to him so much, yeah, and it was sad too. Is if you remember, he was getting better before that, before the Jelly Donut incident.
2: Yeah, he was. You know, he, yeah.
1: he was able to do the obstacle course. He was, you seemed like he was happy training privately with Joker. You yeah, know, a smile on his face, like he could be himself. And and you could tell Joker felt bad for him. But again, that whole jelly donut incident let them down, let the rest of the core down, and that they had to be punished over the fact whenever he would make a mistake. And he probably made more mistakes knowing that he was worried about making mistakes. Yeah. And, and, but yeah, no, it's sad. Um, Do do you guys, and this might be in trivia, so I'll ask you, Charlie, do you know what the, what that means? Full metal jacket. Uh,
2: Yeah. It was part of the, um, the, the bullets, wasn't
0: it? It's about full magazine, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Full metal jacket. Well, I looked it up because I I always wasn't sure what it was. A full metal jacket is basically, it's a bullet where it's got a a hard metal outside and the inside is a soft core of lead. And it makes more sense now where like they try to make you hard on the outside, but inside they, they can't change that. You know, like if you're a section eight or if you know it, it's like he was he was soft on the inside even though they they trained him to be hard on the outside and that it, it, you have to be both you have to be hard in the inside and hard on the outside and that's why i, I guess it was ironic in a way like it, where he was trying to push the title of the full metal jacket
2: yeah right
0: wow um, but yeah, I think we probably said every, everything that we can say about the first part of the film. Um, I do think it's striking. It doesn't it it doesn't let up. It doesn't ease you into anything. You're you are straight into this. It's not it's not holding your hand and going. You're not going to hear some very not not nice terminology and a man's going to be screaming right from the start. So uh, Well, it's,
2: it's the um, removal of identity by head shaving, where it starts. Yeah. And that There's is a good piece of trivia, are...
0: by the way. That's the last scene to have been filmed.
2: Oh, right, okay.
0: It's the head shaving, because obviously they would have grown it back over, over filming. Oh. It took a long yeah. time to film this, and I know this is like putting a bit of trivia in here, but the production schedule for the film was so drawn out that Matthew Modine got married Conceived a child with his wife. The child was born, and the child turned one, or during the course of the filming. <laughs> so yeah, that's why the head shaving went last. Wow. Pretty much, yeah.
1: Well, I think they had to they had to come back for that.
0: Oh, for the head shaving.
1: Yeah, I oh, okay. think they filmed. Yeah, they filmed the uh, the military uh, or or the war scenes first, and then they had to. I, I think, so. yeah. That's For right. Some the very reason, first
0: scene is the prostitute walking up to them. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And um, so they had to grow their hair again, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then shave it.
2: It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not short to grow hair, is it? Uh, it takes a while to grow your hair.
1: When you look at some of those people's hair, too, they grew pretty long. Yeah, and it's quite knotted. It, it almost seems. Like it's
0: easy to take it off the first two that are doing it, and then the next lot are, are like really getting getting into it, and it feels mm-hmm. like it's it's getting harder and harder the density of the hair. Or uh, anyway, the clippers managed to. Anyway, so moving on to the the second part. Um I mean, the prostitute <laughs> the prostitute going fifty. I mean, fifteen dollars. You like the kid. in in that money? And she goes, what what do I get for $15? Anything you want. You're like, okay, (laughs) $15. They argue down to five. And it's always like, okay, well, let's call it 10. But that Miso Horny line has been used. It's a mix a lot. And it's also more famous for uh, the, what what year was it? 1992 live crew? nasty yeah. as they want to be yeah and i always remember it from that
1: oh and yeah that no, was a popular you... song over here
0: yeah yeah well it's popular here but yeah
1: but um, but I, I i think most people don't associate the movie with that song
0: well we we had a song that came out and i believe got to number two in the charts do you remember amanda i want to be your drill instructor
2: oh yeah yeah
0: i want to cut off all of my hair uh, yeah all Right. That was lifted straight, just lifted straight for Full Metal Jacket, the whole lot, oh. including the video. And you're like, okay, well, this is not a bad, this isn't bad. I didn't think military cadence would actually get so high in the charts, but apparently people oh. latched onto it. Vietnam, um,
2: he was 19. In,
0: Nineteen. In the, the Vietnam, Yes, absolutely. Um, it cost 16 million to make and made back, I believe, 120. That's not bad.
1: That's no, it's not bad. It's not bad like at back all. Back then.
0: It's nowhere stakeout. I'm still reeling from that, by the way. Stakeout made. I mean, in that list, stakeout was 87. So I, I don't don't look at where full metal jacket came on on that list. Because it would just it just annoy me the stakeout. Did I give stakeout a four? I meant I meant a three. Um, mm-hmm. but anyway, um, it just keep going down until eventually it's zero. Mm-hmm uh watched another Stakeout out yet joe no 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 not even mildly curious yeah i don't blame you um mm. no, don't blame you Got at all
2: things to do this time
0: yes then stare at stare at a wall for two hours <laughs> you'll have a lot more fun you'll probably think about things and be introspective of yourself and maybe maybe you'd be a better
1: person it doesn't help that they added rosie o'donnell in that movie at all <laughs> <laughs> i know mm.
0: but thankfully joe we'll never we'll never have to be part of it great um so, yeah, the second half of the film, um, Joker is part of the uh, reporting corps. Um,
2: I thought it was a quite interesting, the fact that they're reporting fake news to keep the, this troop's spirits up. I thought, oh.
0: Yeah. Top- <laughs> topical.
2: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> still happening now, then. <laughs> oh, did I just say that? No, I didn't say that, did I? There was a
0: sign. I think I, I think I got it on, on trivia. There's. there's a, oh, the banner of the wall of the conference room says, first to go, last to know. We will defend to the death your right to be misinformed.
1: <laughs> love, love it. <laughs> it's always been like that. I mean, I'm sure it was back like that in the 1700s too, you know, where they were reporting false information to make the troops feel like they were winning and they were... You know, because if you're going to say, "Well, we we lost that battle," they're just going to be down on themselves, mm-hmm. and then they're not going to want to continue. Mm-hmm.
2: But, well,
0: I, but all I, I say is, "Thank God it's not happening today." You know, uh, oh, that's silence. I'll maybe insert some tumbleweed in there. <laughs> Potentially, <laughs> it's just like a drifting a car alarm going off in the background. Um, yeah. So you're you're in there. I mean. I love the fact that was the prostitute designed to um, deflect from the guy having the camera or was it just all part of that that scene at the time? The guy runs past, nicks camera and he's off and he's gone. Um,
1: It's
2: all a decoy, isn't
1: it? It's just, yeah, it's just all like, but. I don't know. know. I I disagree with that because, you know, she stayed around, you know, if they felt that she was a decoy, they would say, well, where's your boyfriend or your brother? Where did he go? You know?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe just being a bit too cynical. Um, But Joker, Joker wants to go to the front line. Joker wants, is not happy with just sitting there doing pretty much just fake news and just, just generating that. You've then got, and I know I'm skipping, skipping a bit, but Adam Baldwin asks him, you know, have you seen any, have you seen any combat, you know, What's your thing? And he plays that down, despite the fact that during the Tet offensive, bit where the base is being overrun, um, he's he's straight on it. He's straight on that M60. He is, he is the minister of death praying for war, but 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 he never comes across like that.
1: Yeah, you know, I wanted to mention you. You didn't mention uh, what movies he was in. Adam Baldwin.
0: Oh, I did. Well, wow. Predator Two. Why Erp? You were off looking. You were doing oh, research. Right. You were
1: doing research. Uh, okay, so I, but did you say My Bodyguard? Why would I say that? Because he's... Uh, what is that? Body... My Bodyguard was a movie. You have it uh, in your library, I'll just say. My Bodyguard? Uh, yeah.
2: Not The Bodyguard with Kevin Costner. Not that
1: one. No, it's My Bodyguard. It's about like uh, a, a kid that's bullied in school, and then he teams up with this guy that's kind of like a big guy. I'm sure that's in
0: my collection, Joe, but okay. Yes. All right, okay. Well.
1: We'll talk later.
0: All right, we will. (laughs) We will. will. He was
1: also in Firefly.
0: Yes, he was. And and something called The Last Ship, which I remember liking for the first series.
2: (laughs) S-H-I-P.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely wasn't S-H-1-T, as they say. (laughs)
1: Um, Sorry, Sorry for derailing.
0: Look, welcome to the club. You know this is what we do. <laughs> we tangents are tangents are great. <laughs> what? Uh, can't you talk now? Huh? Yeah. So by the time when when he does, you know that we we've got the scene where he's you know at, at the grave, um, and and he's reporting that. I'm just thinking. This is when does a film become epic? But what point does it tip over? And I was like, the, the the vehicles that are just coming past him, and the realism of the you know the the people going to work on the other side, you know, and the the, the troops coming up the road. This vehicle, a tank, vehicle, tank, and you're like, this is this is epic. This is really good. I mean, considering it was all filmed over here.
1: Yeah, I know that's crazy. Yeah, I, I could not believe that that was that was filmed all in England. Well, yeah. that's ah. another thing with Stanley Kubrick. He does not like to leave England. He doesn't like to fly.
2: Where was it like, filmed then?
1: Oh, Pinewood the, Studios and uh, Bussingborne Barracks in Cambridgeshire.
2: Oh,
1: yeah. But he did an excellent job because for years I was convinced that was Vietnam. I was convinced that was Paris Island in South Carolina. Mm. Um, but that was all over there. It was crazy.
0: Wow. This is the best bit is it says uh, the footage of the graduation ceremony at Paris Island um, was an actual one. It wasn't theirs. It was, oh. a, it was an actual one that, that was used. Uh, well, within, I think it was the, the wide insert, shots. There was an insert from England added to it. For the final battle scenes, they used the abandoned gasworks town of Becton on the River Thames, so all on the Docklands. Researchers painstakingly went through dozen, dozens of shots of the real location in order to make it look authentic palm trees were brought into the area to create a tropical effect they first had plastic palm trees and Kubrick went take them away I'm not having plastic i want real palm trees i want it to look uh authentic so yeah mm. wow yeah, yeah so the 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 bit where he meets up with cowboy I, it's a genuinely genuinely nice moment you know suddenly Cowboy's not, you know, he's not the squad, you know, platoon leader, um, you know, but it's a genuinely nice moment that that when they when they meet up, which is what did we think
2: about that? Mm, I don't know. I felt that the bit before it and getting to that bit was also disconnected.
0: What, it's in getting?
2: Yeah. So did you think
0: it was just a bit too contrived that that they met up?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh,
1: that's bad. That's bad, Yeah, I mean, but it is possible, you know, for people that were in the same same platoon to kind of just meet up by circumstance. I know that happened with my father a few times. Like, he just happened to run into his cousin. Um, And I I guess that happened over there. I, I think with them, though, they adapted to their roles that they had. I kind of feel like again, Joker in the back of his mind knew that he never was going to do any real heavy fighting. And then he was just going to be part of the press, but cowboy had to adapt to the situation where now he was killing people with his platoon and probably the Marines back then, like Hartman wanted people more like Adam Baldwin's character, you know, that was no thinking just pure killing machine and cowboy If you if you analyze the movie deeper and deeper, you can even see like Cowboy back then when he was in the uh, basic training, he he tried his best, but he wasn't exceptional, you know. Uh, And I think that that's the case here. Like now that he's leading a platoon, he's okay, but he's no killing machine like Adam Baldwin's character.
2: I felt he didn't have the uh, respect and the obedience from the people that he was leading because when they were in that, um, that ambush, well, it wasn't really an ambush. They'd lost the way a little bit, haven't they, um, on the map. And it was just the girl that was the sniper. He kept having to say, stop firing, halt, cease fire. Yeah. And then everyone was just like firing again. And it happened about four or five times you know, like, that's that would that actually happen well,
0: uh, but but how how has he got the respect uh, of the, the the group because the the platoon commander picks up the stuffed animal and he's out and you know it, it it almost feels at that point you know that they're all in a a bit like the um oh it's the quote in starship troopers um you're it until you die or i find somebody better you know it's 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 you know you're you're in charge um well, and an suddenly natural, you, you've got to put your...
2: sort of leadership packing order though isn't there there is but suddenly so he's, he's he now be... gonna make
0: all of these decisions and he's just seen April being shot up mm. and the medic the medic blindly runs into this oh that's just no silly, and you just it? why why is the medic why why aren't you controlling this why aren't you seeing that there is obviously Something that you can't see behind an obstacle. Why aren't you doing the marine stuff? Uh, That's the. If if I do have to drop marks, it's because that scene is entirely the sniper trying to bring them all in, because they need something to do it. Unfortunately, she only she only manages to kill three of them. Um, from her point of view, because she wanted to draw everybody in. But why didn't they just do what they eventually ended up doing? Is Doing what Animal did. He goes straight in there. He goes, I'm going to find out where the sniper is and we're going to do something about it. Mm. And put Animal in charge. I mean, for Gus, fine. You know, (laughs) but at least he's got a plan. At least he's got an idea of what he wants to do.
2: Well, maybe that's just it. That, you know, it's full of people who are, I suppose, unprepared in a sense of... Not everyone's a natural leader, are they? Um and and he was sort of you know three or four down the pecking order. So but you he look was at just the scene with animal into, that, into yeah. that role.
0: But you look at the not scene necessarily between
2: necessarily being the best person for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I was gonna say the scene between um where animal takes the prostitute off hmm. and April was supposed to supposed to go first, as they <laughs> say, and he ends up seeing mm-hmm. her and you know saying yeah. the line which i'm not going to repeat here um but ends up going no 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 I, i'm the most important one here i'm mm. going to go first who do i who would i want next to me in battle i'd want animal next to me yeah big m60 right next to me and i hope you know i hope we could look after each other
1: i think that what's ironic about that too is if you go back to the the scene where they beat pile he was one of the orchestrators of that scene too, Cowboy. You know, kind of showing some leadership. But the whole idea why they did it to begin with is because their team was supposed to be one and they were supposed to be united in battle and that they never let the other ones down and they felt that Pyle did. But in but ca- this Cowboy case... Cowboy never hits him. Cowboy, I think Cowboy does hit him. Why are you Cal- saying
0: Cal- he... Cowboy's the one holding, it, holding the gag
1: on him. He's holding the gag on him?
0: Yeah. But you could um, argue that he 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 is instigating all of this, so he he has to perform that duty in order to.
1: Yeah, he he was yeah doing it so that they would be able to do it. Yeah, um, but he he kind of failed in battle with that because he was thinking more of his own life than he was of you know his his fellow marine that was injured. But again, animal was not animal was just like, well, screw this. I'm going in guns ablaze. And, and again, that's what Cowboy really should have done. Yeah. I, I mean, I could understand he might have been thinking of his other uh, troops, too. You know, the other members of his troops. Yeah. But it, it's something that's what's great about Kubrick's films is you can sit and you can discuss every single minute of these films and see what does it mean? really mean? What is he trying to teach us in this scene? Because it's not really based on fact i mean it's it's a fictional story but it kind of makes us wonder what will we do in the situation like that
2: well the film's actually based on a book um called the short the short timer
0: short timers i think
2: short timers right so this is the description from amazon uh Vietnam 1968 so I presume this film was supposed to be set in 1968 uh, which is a few years before the war actually ended there a nightmarish landscape blackened by napalm and littered with once human debris I don't think we're really exposed to that element but I know some of the Nam films do take that literally don't they Mm -hmm. where victories are measured in mountains of corpses and ordinary men are transformed into obsessive executioners this is the brutally honest story of Corporal Joker and his battle-hardened company, survivors of months of unimaginable horror, the crazy tough and the phony brave, religiously counting the days until they're released from the Green Prison of Combat. But they are all, you no, know, one unspoken truth, that even though they're on their way out, their last few hours in Nam could become their last hours on Earth. The Short Timers is a semi-autobiographical novel by former US Marine Gustav Hasford about his experiences in the Vietnam War. Along with Michael Hare and Stanley Kubrick, Hasford later adapted the novel for the film Full Metal Jacket. So it is based on semi-autobiographical experience. So there's some element of reality in there, I suppose. Yeah, and
0: I know at the end of the book, Joker dies.
2: I would say
0: they could get shot. Yeah,
2: but obviously hey, not in I, real life because we'll be no. able to create the book. No.
1: I, I think what, what Kubrick has done, like in a lot of his movies, is he does the script. Like he'll he'll see a book and he'll want to make it a movie. Like The Shining, like he he wanted to make The Shining a movie, but he rewrote the, the the script, the story. So it's different from the book. And when um, Stephen King wanted. He said, well, let me help you with it. And he goes, no, no, no. And he goes, I just want to do a movie based on your book. I don't think you're a good writer. <laughs> you know, and, and Stephen <laughs> King was was really insulted. He always trashed Stanley Kubrick and how he ruins his story. But that's what Stanley Kubrick does is like, he'll take a story and he'll rewrite it according to how he thinks it should be. But it comes out like genius <laughs> most of the time anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, were you surprised, um, sort of getting towards the end, or were you surprised that the sniper was a 12-year-old?
2: Yeah, I was.
1: I was surprised that she was 12 years old. I couldn't tell that she was 12 years old. I, I just recently read that she was a 12-year-old, and back when I first saw it, I thought it was one of the prostitutes. Right.
0: Ah, you know, oh, you know, right, one okay. From-
1: either one from the beginning or the one that they all kind of gang banged, you know, at that, that one time, but it does seem like she was just a random person. That was a sniper. Yeah. And, and 12 years old. It's, Twelve that's year I know
0: Yeah. I mean, it's never mentioned in the film. You have to find that out, but yeah. But um, yeah. The bit where Joe, it's almost like, does Joker have to kill her?
1: Do you think that, well, did he kill her because of what she did, or did she kill? Did he kill her because of mercy?
2: No, he killed her for what she did.
0: I mean, but it, then if that's the case, it should have been far quicker than that. You know, if somebody had somebody just killed and it just in my arms had just died, like one of my closest friends, I there'd be no hesitation.
1: But he was a pacifist.
2: The, the, the longer that. you're in that scenario, the the it's about that. It all comes full circle, doesn't it? Back to the basic training, mm-hmm. the removal of the morality aspects, and you kill on demand. And mm-hmm. that's that, that. I think that's the message. All right. Um, no,
1: it, it's funny because it, you know I honestly think every time I watch this movie, he kills her because of mercy. Because no, I
2: don't.
1: He knows that she's going to be eaten by rats if he just leaves her there and she keeps saying, please kill me. So Hmm. I, I, and uh, what's interesting too, is like you mentioned that in the book, Joker dies, um, Kubrick was going to have Joker die. And Matthew Modine apparently talked him out of it, where he said that he goes, if you kill Joker, I think it's, it's far worse if you let him live because he has to reflect on all the things that he's witnessed during war and then the atrocities that he had to commit. During war. And yeah. eventually maybe Kub- It was never confirmed, but Kubrick did change the ending. Yeah.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Well, it's it's yeah, it's it is what it is, and we've given it the scores that we have. I mean, in reality, we are looking that sort of upper level that of nine, nine out of ten. So
2: So like uh did you know that. Over 3 million people were killed in that war.
1: I know a, a ton of people were killed. and Not,
2: not uh, US soldiers, but overall around 3 million people were killed. Uh, 58, apparently, it's about 58,000 were US troops.
1: Which I, I thought was even more than that. But no, I um, it was, yeah. yeah. There were a million
0: killed in the Iraq war.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And 12. About twelve million people were displaced as refugees. That's horrendous, isn't it? Twelve million people.
0: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I feel really bad for the for the soldiers, to be honest, because you know, towards the later stages when they were coming back, um, yeah. The the article that I read was, you know, all the the post traumatic stress disorder um, and. Divorce, suicide, alcoholism, drug addiction—that that followed for a lot of them um, because of the. And I don't think the film explores that aspect of you know the total atrocities of what they were potentially seeing. I think some of the other Vietnam War films do do that. I um, think
0: *Born on the Fourth of July* does that. I mean, I do don't. I don't think Tom Cruise is a very deep actor. But he did pretty well with that.
1: Yeah. A guy I, I worked with, he was in the Vietnam war and he told me when he came back, people were spitting on him. Like they would see him on the oh, street. Terrible. Yeah. It, it's because there was a bunch of people that were against the Vietnam war over here, which again, things don't change. Like when you see people protesting, they don't look at both sides. They only look at the one side that they feel is right. And back then if you went and fought in the Vietnam war, you were a baby killer. That's what they would nickname you as. And they just looked at you as disgusting. They had trouble finding work, Mm. Uh, you know, and it was bad because these people were just following orders. They were drafted. It's not like you could say, you know what? I don't want to go. You had to go. There was no way out of it. The only other, the only person that really kind of got out of it was Muhammad Ali. And he was looked at as a hero back then. Because he didn't want to go over and, and um, amongst the hippies, they, they really looked at him as a hero. I mean, I, I love Muhammad Ali as a fighter, but I feel bad for the people that were drafted that had to go. They were just fighting for their country. They were mm-hmm. told by the leaders what to do. They were basically pawn pieces. And then yeah. when they, were, they came home, they were treated like crap. They were treated yeah. like villains. And it it really wasn't until the whole Rambo story got out there that people started to respect them. And they started building statues in Washington dedicated to those soldiers that fought in the Vietnam war. They were getting parades. They were finally getting the treatment that they should have got when they first came back.
0: Right. Hmm. How do we, um, just before we go to trivia time, how do we feel this film stacks up against some of the competitors like apocalypse now and protein
2: I haven't seen them for a, a long time a long time
0: a but, um
2: which is the one I always get them mixed up that're lucky you
0: have two people here that can that can help <laughs> you
2: which is the one where are they in a cave and they are about to perform a really horrific act on a woman.
0: Are you thinking of
1: casualties of war? Yeah. So Michael Keaton and I'm Michael Keaton, Michael J Fox.
2: Is it that one?
1: Yeah, it's,
0: they're in a, they're in a cabin uh, basically.
2: Oh, I don't know. I'm the getting the har- bit where
0: Michael J Fox basically tells on the rest of the um, group, then they try to kill him. Right. Yeah, that's harrowing. She gets free at the end and she's going down that train track. You're like, whoa, whoa, okay, 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 enough. You're like Michael sounds J. Fox. like in Joe this.
2: Pesci then. Okay, okay,
1: okay, okay. okay. They, <laughs> so screw, they screw
0: you, you at the drive-thru. <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
1: I'm going to shock you, Charlie. Out of all those movies that you mentioned, I only saw Apocalypse now.
0: You have a Platoon? No. Really?
2: It's all right. That's the Charlie Sheen one, isn't it? Yeah, it's
1: okay. Yeah, back in the day, I just didn't have any interest. I didn't have interest in seeing Apocalypse Now either. I just weren't into movies about the Vietnam War, you know, back when I was growing up. I finally saw it because so many people pushed me to see it, and I saw it much later in life, too, Mm -hmm. probably in my 40s. And I don't know. I kind of feel like it was, for me, I feel like Apocalypse Now is a little overrated. Yeah, controversial,
2: which is the one with the godfather character that's apocalypse now. That's now. you also got the
1: deer hunter as well. I'd like to see that, I've never seen that.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen that for well, for a long, long time. So, yeah, I'll probably go back and, and re watch that. I'll have a look if it's in my uh collection, my vast collection. I'm gonna have a look at that. Um, I also remember, so actually, we end on a nice length, but I like the the bit in Hot Shots part, duh. <laughs> um where, where the two PT boats cr- uh, cross each oh, other. You've got Charlie Sheen yeah. and Martin Sheen's on the other one. And as they go back, they both say simultaneously, he says, I loved you in Wall Street. And he goes, I loved you in Apocalypse um, Now. And they both say it at the same time. I love that bit. And he just looks exactly the same. <laughs> looks exactly the same. Oh, boy. Anyway, I can't believe I brought Hot Shots part dirt into it. But there you go. Uh, this oh, is, this is there is... Any,
2: any room to move the shark movies in?
0: Uh hmm. no. I'm I'm still excited by the way. I know completely unrelated the fact that Jaws uh is gonna get released in IMAX and in 3D.
1: No way. Yeah, really? No yeah. In 3D.
0: Yeah, you get it over there. It's not been confirmed for over here yet. I mean, I would be surprised if it wasn't.
1: I, I don't think I could see that in a full IMAX, to be oh, honest with you. Why, Joe? Because it'd just be too terrifying.
0: That first,
1: that first scene, I tell you, is gonna, yeah. It, in IMAX, yeah. I mean, like, were you're the size of her toe, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. Oh man,
0: if it's not released over here, I might have to come over there.
2: We we had a a, a 3D. Was it Jaws two that was released in 3D on no, the no, telly? No, 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 Wait a minute. On the telly, it Jaws. was uh,
0: it was Jaws three.
2: Jaws 3, okay. Includes,
0: look at the top there. Sorry, the people listening. Includes Jaws 3D, the 3D version. This is the start of season six.
2: God. Um, So we used to have like um, two magazines that came out that told you about radio and TV programs and times one was called radio times so that was all surrounding like the bbc side of things and then the other one was tv times which was all about that you know the the advertised sort of television channels and stuff but um i remember i think it was the tv time because it must have been on itv which is our effectively our channel 3 um they had 3d specs do you remember that
0: yes Dro- uh, so- dropped out in the middle of the
2: to, to watch the, watch the movie yeah. Jaws. And it was pretty rubbish because like watching it on the telly was like, oh, I'll kind of get to it. And you had to kind of move a little bit and the specs were like a little bit kind of wonky because all it was was just clear, sort of the, the, plastic you, film. you right, Hardboard kind of cut out specs. The thing. 3D
1: effects for your Jaws 3 are pretty wonky. <laughs> they are, but, sh- but it, it's, it's beautiful though. That shark is pretty wonky. A shark at the end
0: is very wonky. But yeah, okay. But there are very good bits in it. There are very good bits. Dolphins, especially.
2: So you need to invite um, our friend uh, who is a marine biologist.
0: What, to come Jaws 3?
2: No, no, I could do. No. Or even Jaws.
0: Well, what, what, to come to the IMAX with me, you mean?
2: No, 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 to do the review.
0: We're never going to co- cut. We can't cover Jules on this.
2: Wow, well, you know, I'm sure.
0: I, I draw the line at Jules' revenge. <laughs> but <laughs> good lord! Anyway, um, the film that Michael, the film that m- built Michael Caine's house. Anyway, should we do trivia time?
2: Oh God, we still got more to do. We still got amazed. a little bit. more today. I've still got washing to do and cooking to do. Oh, <laughs> listen, to, listen,
0: listen to the priority <laughs> on, she gives this up, podcast. Then. Right, okay, here's trivia time. Here we go. <laughs> Trivia time. Okay. okay, it's
2: not 21 pages. Okay,
0: Val Kilmer auditioned for
1: the part of Private Joker. So no. sad. No, I would have loved to seen him in it. I, uh, Oh, but you he know I,
0: been, he would have been miles better. Than he Matthew probably would
1: have, but like I said, I didn't like the character, but maybe you really weren't supposed to like the character of Joker. He, again, he was an everyday guy, and I don't know if Val Kilmer could be an everyday guy. He's too good looking. He's, he's,
0: he's, well, oh, he's brilliant. Well, um, according to Matthew Modine, Kilmer confronted him in a restaurant and challenged him to a fight because he believed he'd stolen the part from him.
2: <laughs> I brilliant. think
0: that's, 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 that's excellent. Um, according to the director, um, Kubrick then hired this guy, Tim Colceri, who's the end, who ended up being the gunner on the ship, on the, on the, um, helicopter. Um, he never got to play the role because Arlie Ernie gets it. He performed uh, performed a demonstration on videotape in which he yelled obscene insults and abuse for 15 minutes without stopping, repeating himself or even flinching, despite being continuously pelted with tennis balls and oranges by the cinematographer to try and put him off. So basically, can you keep this up for 15 minutes without going over the old same thing? Kubik was so impressed that he cast him as Um I'm like thinking, so you're trying to do the lines. You're trying to do everything. You're trying to just ad lib for 50 and, and the stuff coming at you. I just thought that's great. Um, what else? What else? I've talked about the palm trees. I've talked about the uh, Anthony Michael Hall. Right. So I've got a bone to, I know Joe, I can see you shaking your head. Was originally set to play Private Joker. He spent eight months preparing for the role but couldn't reach an agreement with Stanley Kubrick regarding the salary and the schedule. He was replaced by Matthew Modi. Hall has since responded to claims that he was fired for objecting to Kubrick's perfectionist style of directing as not true. Here's the thing with NT Michael Hall. He ruined, him and Molly Ringwald ruined John Hughes. They broke his heart and he never recovered because the, the, their muses decided that they wanted to go off and do other things and they wanted to not be part of this and not do it. That must have broken his heart. If you are Anthony Michael Hall and Stanley Kubrick goes, I want you in my film, unless you're dead, you 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 go and do that. You don't turn around and go, well, I think I need to discuss this. I need to discuss that. Imagine what that would have done for Anthony Michael Hall's career. Instead, he ended up pissing it away, doing nothing, and ended up being in Edward Scissorhands. And you're going, oh, isn't that the guy from The Breakfast Club? If you squint, it, it's kind of like the guy from there. He ended up doing nothing after that. And how life would have changed if his movies would have included, in the middle of still being with John Hughes, he would have done Full Metal Jacket, and you would have gone, "My goodness, this kid's got repertoire. He's, he's not just a one trick pony." And he ended up being a one trick pony, and, and, and one that I like. You know, it sounds, but I'm, I'm more, I'm more upset of what could have been.
1: Um, so yeah. No. No, I agree. I mean, I, I I read that too, and it just goes to show what an arrogant piece of you know what he yeah. is. Yeah. Because he had so much offered to him that most people would die to have, and he thought he was better than everybody else. Yeah. And that he wanted more money for this role. Come on. You know, he wasn't a big actor back then.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, it's just, it, it, it just, it, it, because I like him so much. It breaks my heart that he just threw it all away. So you can like
1: you can like an actor and they can still be a jerk.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Robert Downey Jr.
0: Oh I'm joking. He, I'm joking. I just wanted Robert a reaction. Downey Jr. I just wanted a reaction from Amanda, that's all. Despite the fact he's not a bit see, I listened to Joe's latest podcast where he's talking about Miss Marvel and basically said anyone can get the rings and put them on and become become a superhero. But oh. without the rings, she's not she's not got any superpowers. And I and I remember sitting. there, I was swimming this morning uh, when I was listening to it, and went, "Yeah, sounds like Iron Man." Without the suit, what else can he do? He can invent stuff. Anyway, let's
2: not that. go down that path. We've done that plenty.
0: <laughs> we've done that plenty times. I've, I've already won. I'll be my argument. Path
2: well travelled.
0: My argument, indeed. Indeed, it is. Um, st- <laughs> this is great. Stanley Kubrick shot the scene in the Norfolk Broads where the helicopter flown by the stump was required to fly low across a canal. The Norfolk Broads was the substitute. Oh my God. Right. Sleepy
2: Norfolk Broads.
0: While someone fired a heavy machine gun out the doors. So you're what you're looking at, I think, is the outward shot. So the out looking at the helicopter rather than the helicopter looking out. Yeah. The scene was shot at dawn and the local police were supposed to have warned fishermen. But there was a communications problem. (laughs) The fishermen were awoken by the the US helicopter apparently machine gunning their positions. Um, <laughs> I just think that's great.
2: Oh Wait a minute, God. are we at war? <laughs> they actually had a gun that was firing.
0: Yeah, it was firing blanks, obviously. But I yeah, mean, but yeah. It even was,
2: so, if, if it something, would freak if we saw the that out up, here, life out of you, wouldn't went, it?
0: "What? Yeah. No,
2: no matter what, it would have done to the local wildlife." Well, there's a lot of lot of d- um, uh, specific birds out, out over the Norfolk board.
0: birds having heart attacks. I don't think they're they're really worried about.
1: Do you um, have uh, other actors that were supposed to be cast in this movie? Uh, I don't. But before I do,
0: there's virtually no background information about the characters. Basically, nothing is known about anybody, and that that could be that's a genius thing to do because we're not you're. In, you choose how to be invested in your characters because there's no backstory on any of them. I think that's great. Anyway, who are you gonna who are you gonna tell? Don't pick see, I fall into this this trap of looking on INDB and it goes, Oh, do you realize Sean uh Sean Penn was up for this role and all this? And you're just like, no, give me something more concrete than just a list of names. And I'm sure, Joe, you've got something that's amazing.
1: Come on, Joe. Denzel Washington. What was supposed, was supposed to play eight ball? Really? And uh, he declined the role because he wanted to read the script first. And uh, Kubrick said, no, you, you can't read the script. And he said it was the biggest regret of his life. Why couldn't but he one read of, the script? God. I don't know. Because it's, it's Kubrick. Kubrick does weird things. <laughs> uh, Animal Schwartz, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger almost played Animal Mother.
2: Oh. oh, that would have been wrong.
1: That
0: That would have taken it that would have taken the film somewhere.
1: People would have been confused. Yeah, He had that, uh, is it the Austrian accent? Mm.
0: Yeah. Plus they would have just seen him in John Matrix, just in Commando, just basically level, level the place on his own.
1: <laughs> He'd about
2: to have been dubbed, wouldn't he? With some of those, other person's accent or, because that wouldn't have worked. Well, he,
1: he could, mm, he could still be an American and, well, Kenny. Does that have to be a natural-born citizen to be drafted? I don't know. I forget. Um he, Unless he volunteered to fight in the war. Bruce Willis. No! Uh, what? You don't believe that?
2: No. Um,
0: I can imagine that it's probably Moonlighting got in the way.
1: Yeah, Moonlighting got in the right, way. Right, okay. Um, They don't say what role he was offered, but it was apparently... A major one so it was either joker or it was uh cowboy it could have been cowboy or uh, it could have ooh. been it could have been animal yeah wow um do you have director billy wilder told. Oh, Cameron, i've read
0: something about. i had to take that one out
1: so you've you've left it in yeah oh, i thought that was pretty cool uh, billy wilder is a you know famous director i mean i, I mostly know him for some, some like, like hot. It hot yeah yeah but he told Cameron Crowe that he felt that the Paris Island sequence was the best movie he ever saw, you know, had the film ended there. So he had a problem with the the second act, too. Wow. 45 minutes. Well, it is. Mm. Yeah.
0: It's still not. I mean, is it my favorite war war movie of all time? or favorite military film? Don't know. It's, it's Stripes.
2: <laughs> oh, geez.
0: Rather watch I don't know. Stripes is a 10 out
2: of 10 though. It isn't a 10 it is. no, it's
1: not a 10 out of it 10. It's not a 10. It's a 10 out of 10. It's, it's like maybe an eight. It's it's oh, not maybe anything. I can't remember what 10. I
2: gave it now. We five. did
0: we didn't score a score at that time. Wow, you have a list of all
1: your scores.
2: Oh, no, not wow. I've got a list of all my reviews or notes. Let me say. Oh,
1: that's pretty cool. So did you um <laughs>
2: breakfast club that's all i've written
1: <laughs>
2: and then gave it a score
0: like, i remember that score thank you it may be a while ago now but the wounds are still the wounds are still bitter
1: so do you know about the rolling stones do you have trivia on that one no 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 uh stanley kubrick apparently never heard of the rolling stones which i find hard to believe i find hard to believe and yeah
0: he, treat that he, one with a pinch of salt
1: I know, but I find it hard to believe because he lived in England, but Stanley Kubrick, he's, he's a recluse. And I, I, I find it hard to believe, but I can also believe it because he's just a a genius. Sometimes geniuses are weird people. And I could see him not knowing who the Rolling Stones were, but he listened to all the songs that occurred during that time period for the Vietnam War and he felt that that was the best one that he could use. For I tell universe. you what,
0: though, I wouldn't naturally put Nancy Sinatra in there, but now that's in,
1: it's in and it's. Oh perfect. yeah. No, it's very iconic. Yeah, for sure. Fair. And I never heard of that first song, you know, uh, Hello Vietnam. I never even heard of that one. Okay. I'm uh, a review of
2: Stripes.
0: I remember you liked, that's it. The title.
1: <laughs> that was it. <laughs>
2: And the the date. And that was it.
1: So yeah,
2: we weren't scoring at that point.
0: Well, for those, for those listeners, my striped funk pop figures are at the top here. So yeah. Um
1: so so one last one I got, which I I find. Oh Joe, we've got time for one more. Go on. All right. So he filmed this movie in the aspect ratio of 1.33 to one. For some reason, Stanley Kubrick filmed a lot of his movies in the aspect ratio, which is like basically four by three. What we see, what we would see on our, our TVs back in the 80s. They weren't widescreen yeah. back then. Yeah. But he really felt that that was going to be the standard, that these movies were going to go over to TV. And that's why he filmed his movies that way. Uh, some of them. So I, he I didn't have
0: the widescreen. He has have the black path at the
1: top. So when you saw it in the movies, they cut it down for the movies. So you were missing some of the top and some of the bottom. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, I apologize to you, Amanda, because I I do did have it in 4K and we didn't watch it in 4K. Sorry.
2: It's probably better we didn't watch it in 4K, to be perfectly honest. Well because it it might have given it another dimension.
0: Yeah, but yours in 4K is just Yeah, but that's fine because
2: we've seen the movie and
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anyway. You know what it's
2: about. Except.
0: This brings to the end, Joe's. Joe's lucky dip. I think Joe. Joe. Joe shoots. He scores.
2: Yeah. Well I, done, Joe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can't but say it, mine's going to be. Do I go? Do I go highbrow or do I punish everybody for uh, Breakfast Club scores and things like that? Maybe. Maybe I have a score to settle. I don't know.
1: So can you tell us what your lucky dip is? I don't know be?
0: yeah. I I, I. I. It's changed to Memphis <laughs> Bell at the moment. Something with Eric Stoltzman. We might do mask with share. Oh. Yeah, you know, let's, let's, oh, let's really, really put you through the, the ring. I have to be on that one. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to, the thing about it is, no, I'm going to be, it's going to be something that I I really wanted to do and we'll all enjoy it. How about that? And it won't have Eric in.
2: How do you know that we're all going to enjoy it, though?
0: Well, you, and let's put it this way. You're going to enjoy it more than... Mask starring Eric Stoltz. So that's what could have been. So you're going to enjoy it more than you would have done if I had to pick that. There you go.
1: Oh, well, My so original boring. lucky dip was, he said, he goes, well, pick a movie. It doesn't have to be a forgotten <laughs> movie. You know, it just has to be anything in the 80s. And it's oh, hang on. Now want.
2: we're knowing all about this censorship then. Go on. There's
1: no, well, there's, no, wait a minute.
0: there's no censorship here.
1: No, so I said, Back to the Future, and he went, Denied. <laughs>
0: You know? I told you that. There's no way we could do Back to the Future. Um, well, without you. I mean, without Amy. We couldn't do Back to the Future without Amy. No way.
2: Okay.
1: So, yeah. And then what, then what was the other one I said? It was a Ghostbusters? Or you said no Ghostbusters. No Ghostbusters, no.
0: Oh, no, you had down. another one that was
2: I'm quite that obscure.
1: It
0: was like, yeah. This is a natural one to, to go. Have you got any idea for yours, uh, Pip?
2: But I wouldn't want to say now.
0: Oh, okay. But who's going next? Do we have to draw straws? I don't know. I think I might have texted Dom and said you're going next. Then Dom, then me.
2: Where Where do I fit? Next. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you want to? Well, you don't want to tell anyone. You got an idea?
2: No, because I'm. I don't know yet.
0: You don't want to give a trailer. Well, give us an idea. What it? No. And it might change. No. Okay. Wow. There you go. No trailer, everyone. Just tune in next time when uh, it truly will be a lucky dip because none of us know. Oh, I don't even know yet. Well, I'm going right to, right after pressing uh, stop, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, find out. But anyway. I don't know. You do know. You've got an idea in your head. Anyway, l- let's bring this to a close. Um, I've had a great time. Great lucky dip. Wonderful. So I'm going to say uh, goodbye. Joe. And I'll say, see you.
2: And it's a toodle pip from me.
0: Bye, everyone. Bye.